Welcome to the Jabadoo Education Podcast, episode 13. It's like, oh, well, the professors are the ones who do the research. No, I don't, it, should, it shouldn't be. You can also do research. Research is, can be done by anybody. It's just we have to, we have to empower you all, to, to teachers and future teachers, to do it. You're listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. I'm your host, John Ruths, and I'm going to introduce you to some of the leading professionals in the fields of education, psychology, and leadership to bring you the most relevant and up-to-date tips, tricks, and tools for you to use in your classroom. Welcome to Jabadoo. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Hope you're doing well. Uh, Today's episode is really just more or less uh, a really fun conversation. Uh, I sit down with Dr. Jonte J.T. Taylor, uh, who is a self-proclaimed renaissance man, uh, a man of many talents and many interests. And uh, you'll see that today as he walks us through his story um, between uh, backing out of a political career path, uh, going into college and graduating with a degree in special education, uh, working his first job for a, uh, a group home for adults with severe cognitive disabilities. Uh, he actually spent some time as a teacher in the juvenile justice system, uh, which is insane. He said he has, uh, like, one day he would have two students, the next day would be five, the day after that might be 20, and the day after that might be three. Uh, I mean, just completely random, and I uh, <laughs> I cannot imagine writing those lesson plans. That would be atrocious. But, uh, like I said, all in all, just a really great conversation. We dive into his first encounter with Walking Tacos, hence the title. <laughs> You'll also learn how to make a Bob Simpson drink. So shout out to Bob Simpson for that. (laughs) Uh, And we were having so much fun. We actually ended up talking for close to two hours in total. So I decided to cut some of that down for you uh, to try to keep it close to that hour mark. Uh, and part of that was nixing the uh, the nuggets and wrap up that I normally do at the end of the episode, um, because guess I, I I believe that you are your big boys and girls. I trust you to come to your own <laughs> uh, life changing, uh, transformative, uh, metamorphic uh, a- awakening <laughs> to the, for this episode. So uh, let's get into it. But not until I remind you that everything that we talk about is in our show notes page found at jabadoo.com/show13. Also, we've got a Facebook group. Would love to have you join uh, that conversation. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash Jabadoo. And uh, I haven't said it before, but we have an email newsletter that uh, I send out every week to remind you of episodes and other content that we'll be putting out soon. So um, go ahead and you can sign up for that right on the homepage again at Jabadoo.com. All right, let's get into it. Dr. J.T. Taylor. All right. Well, we've got Jonte J.T. Taylor on associate professor at Penn State uh, in the College of Education. Uh, man, we've had such a great time chatting here before I hit the record button. We spent, there we go, a half hour even before I hit record uh, shooting the breeze. And it's, it's been a blast so far. So I can't wait to get into this. We're good, man. This is, this is fantastical. <laughs> this is, I, am, there go. <laughs> I, I am loving this. Awesome. I, just, I like everything that you're doing. That's just like, I like the whole thing. I, I like appreciate the, that. The name Jabadoo. Is <laughs> yeah. Super cool. <laughs> Thank you. That's 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 my life mantra is just to be stupid cool. <laughs> hey, this is great. Uh, anyway, all right. So let's dive in uh, from the beginning. Um, what is uh, your story? Where'd you come from? What was your school experience? Um, how'd you get down the path that you are today? Well, I had. Um, I tend to take the road less traveled in all things that I do, <laughs> even when it has nothing to do with me. Um, so as a, as a youth, um, I was actually kind of uh, dichotomously educated. And what I mean by that is um, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And in middle school, uh, my family moved to Miss Centerville, Mississippi. Okay. Um, and let me just say about Centerville, Mississippi, we have no traffic lights. And so there was a thing from moving to from Cleveland, yep. which most people consider a city, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then moving to Centerville, Mississippi, which was a very, very dramatic shift yeah, in, sure. in, in things. Um, but I will say without the experiences of, of both in my education, I am not sitting here. I, I, I had a great foundation in Cleveland for where I went to school. I went to Lafayette Contemporary Academy, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was a great school. Um, and then I went to 
uh, Wilkinson County Schools, <laughs> which was different. Um, <laughs> just the whole vibe was different. Like everything was, was was very different. But it again, they both taught me quite a bit. So um, after that, I graduated from from high school, and I knew for a fact that my my one true goal was to leave Mississippi. <laughs> 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 Which is sad. I and I love I love Mississippi. I, it's my home state. I still my, yeah. my my mom and my sister still live there who are both yeah. educators. You know, they and they're still they still live in the county that we, we grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um now sure. one interesting thing about Centerville, Mississippi is that it is right on the border of Louisiana. Okay. So I'm like 35, 40 minutes from Baton Rouge. So mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time at like Baton Rouge and then around LSU. And a lot of people thought that that was going to be the thing. Um, and I was like, nah, it's too close. I don't want nobody to visit. <laughs> so I ended up going to school at a HBCU, which is a historically black college and university, uh, Tuskegee University. Okay. Um, and Tuskegee was probably the best decision I ever made in my life about all things. Um, small university, but it was great. Um, I played football there for a little bit. Um, but I, you know, majored in, um, basically special education at the time it was called mental retardation education, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the, that language is yeah. since obsolete for right, rightfully so, but I basically majored in special ed while I was there, uh, had great professors there. Um, uh, very, and it was very, being at a small university was very cool because, the the professors were very much involved yeah, in a little, little in, more tight knit. It was very much more tight knit. <laughs> <laughs> very, very tight knit. Um it's just the nature of the place. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. but uh upon graduation from there, I ended up working at in in Tuskegee's in Alabama. So which was weird since I moved from Mississippi to Alabama, which is basically the same. So I could have, <laughs> I should have just stayed in Mississippi, but I was like, I'm gonna leave Mississippi and, and move to its twin brother, <laughs> Alabama. Um, but it, you know, it, it, it was great. And Tuskegee is probably like 20 minutes from Auburn University, which okay. is where I went to graduate school. But before I went to graduate school, I, um, I worked for the state of Alabama at a group home, uh, East Alabama Mental Health facility and I worked at a group home for adults with uh severe cognitive disabilities. Okay. I guess kind of what what uh got you interested in in kind of choosing that major? Um before I graduated high school, my plan was to go into like political science. Okay. And and do politics. And in high school I had the opportunity to do a program where I was in DC and basically got a chance to do work on legislation and hang out with um, some senators and representatives from the state of Mississippi uh, and learn the process. And in doing that, I realized I don't want to do political science. (laughs) (laughs) And and the funny thing is, it it was not because I didn't think I could do it. It was just because I was like, and this was back in the mid 90s. And I was like, it is way too much money in politics. Yeah. Like, I, like I realized it in the mid nineties. It was like, there's a lot of money flying around here. And, and, and swept I, up in it, yeah. Well, I'm young and I'm like, I might be susceptible to bribery. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't trust myself to be a good person. <laughs> yeah. They took us out. They took us out in like a, a a lobbying firm was like, took all the interns that was like, have what you want. They're telling like a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds to just say, eat what you want, get two or three lobsters. What? That's ridiculous. That's yeah. like, and it was like a lot of us. I know they dropped $20,000 wow. on food That's for insane. lunch, for yeah. lunch. And for lunch that they said, we don't really want you to kind of convince if you're a person, but just tell them about us. And I was like, mm. Suspect. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to go no, into education. Um, it is my- funny how just like people that you talk to, how those those paths can seem so different, but the, they're yeah. so parallel. 
you know, and I think it, it stems from just wanting to change the world in, in a way, you know, that, that internal desire. But I, I would like, I liked it. That's a great thought. That's like a, such a nice no, I don't think it's naive, but I, I, I do think it's a, it's a very optimistic kind of way of, of looking at life, which is great. We need more optimism, right? Yeah. Um, but my, my great-grandmother was a teacher, an educator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we moved to, when my family moved to Mississippi, um, that's where my great-grandmother was. So we, I spent a lot of time with my gotcha. great-great-grandmother. And like a lot, like a lot of time. And she was still an educator then. Uh, so that, I mean, that's part of it. My mom became an educator mm-hmm. and my, you know, so a part of that was kind of influenced. And, and once I decided not to do political science, my choices were really um, English teacher or special educator. Gotcha. And I looked at, and this is, this is the truth. So upon getting to Tuskegee, I had this, uh, occupational handbook thing mm-hmm. and it says special educators made more than English teachers so <laughs> there it is <laughs> it's a motivating factor yeah there, there no, it nothing is. to deny about that yeah but anyway yeah. so well yeah, I mean so but, got... I knew I, but I knew I wanted to be in education so yep uh, so that's how I chose kind of special education so for instance I would have say a student who was 17 but doing college would be in like a, a community college. Okay. So I, I but he was still underage. Yep. So he's in this program and I got to figure out, you know, how I'm going to set up a lesson plan for him with chemistry and trigonometry. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on the, on the other end, I would have a 16 year old who was probably reading at a third grade level. Yeah. So it was just, it was just a crazy variability yeah. of students. That's incredible. Yeah. So, but I enjoyed it, man. Um, it, it allowed the, 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 some of the best things about that kind of situation is it allows for creative innovation because you, you know, and it allows for, um, it allowed for me anyway, to, to really work on some of my classroom management skills Yeah, and, you know, really understand students better because, you know, all of these students are coming in with a life situation, you know what I mean? So in a, and usually a difficult one. Yeah. And like, that's all of them. So it really helped me work on my kind of social emotional skills and social emotional learning skills of students and myself to, to really be the most effective teacher I could be. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we're we're finding out more and more every day how important that is. Particularly now, right? Yeah. Um, so I had, you know, I had both of those jobs working at the same time. The other benefit I had is that particular job at the uh, at the treatment center was really like from seven to one. So okay, <laughs> like yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thumbs up over here. Uh, so it allowed me to still work at the group home. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, I'm doing both of those and I, I did both of those for about four or five years. Um, and then uh, I decided to circumstances led me to let both of those jobs go and go into graduate school at Auburn University. All right. Um, and studying special education still. Uh, my plan was to get a master's degree in special ed and then go back into the classroom but because i had teaching experience already mm-hmm. and experience in the field um my advisor who was there when i was interviewing with him just to be in the master's program he was like you should get a phd and i was like <laughs> why why <laughs> for what reason he was like oh well and then he he kind of laid it out for me and he 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 told me one of the most uh what, what the, it was a very slick presentation. It was like, because he's like, oh, think of these as doors. It was like, okay. It was like You have your um, bachelor's degree and you're certified to teach K-12 special ed. And you have like four doors you can go through. You get a master's degree and you basically double your doors. And I was like, what you mean? It's like, well, you can go back to that. You can work at the district level. Maybe you can work at state level. Maybe you can do your own consulting. Da, 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 da. I was like, oh, 
oh, that's interesting. I was like, but if you get a PhD. <laughs> I can see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So if you get a PhD, you get all the doors. And I was like, what, are there more doors? He was like, oh, you could be a researcher. All of them. You can be a professor. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you could do all of that other stuff too, but you could, it gives you a level of credibility. That you, I was like, who doesn't <laughs> want to be credible? Like, <laughs> and we were we were talking before I hit record that you and I are kind of both the same. Where we we just we enjoy experiencing so many different things in life. We, uh, we don't like to be pigeonholed to one thing. So I could definitely see how that played into your, oh your my psyche gosh. a little bit. <laughs> oh my god, that that was this was the coup de gras was when he said, and we'll pay for it. What? Take That's it. it. We're done. <laughs> done. Let's do it. <laughs> so. That that led me to a journal of uh, I mean a journey of of trying to get my PhD in special ed and and trying to figure out you know what I want to do after that and um you know I I did my program we're still trying to figure it out aren't we <laughs> yeah we man still okay so graduated from Auburn and then you actually got your first uh, professor job out at uh, Iowa University right uh, not exactly so not, not yet okay exactly. more to the story. There is. So in the middle of doing my, my PhD, I told my advisor, I was like, uh, I think I miss kids and working with kids every day. And I, and I remember <laughs> he was working on something on a computer. He stopped what he was doing and turned around and looked at me. He was like, are you dropping out? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, I'm going to finish my PhD. It's just, I miss working with kids. It's like, well, when you're done, go work with kids then. But that's that's got all the doors. <laughs> well, well, that's contrary to the advice you usually get, though. Like when, a lot of times, you get advice that's kind of like, "Well, you have a PhD. Why, why so would go, you go, back go into academia?" Yeah. yeah. Why would you be a classroom teacher? Like that seems like a waste. And I was like, and he did not say that. And that, that was the one cool thing about my my advisor, Robert Simpson, is even shout out to he, Robert. <laughs> shout out to Bob Simpson, man. Uh, it, I even created a drink after him. But there you go. <laughs> well, I, I will put that uh, recipe in the show notes. <laughs> oh, it's, it's non alcoholic. It's really oh. simple. It's basically half, it, they do it now, but I was doing it back, like he was doing it back in the day. It's half lemonade, half Sprite. <laughs> I, I, oh my gosh. I literally just made that like three days ago for the first time, just like out of the blue. That's hilarious. What is it called? It's called the what? <laughs> I called it the Bob Simpson. Bob Simpson, I'll I'll keep it. I'll keep the legacy. Anyway, go I, ahead. I, uh, so no, he he was just a he was just a really good advisor in that he did not hold you to doing things the way he did them, or even necessarily the way he thought you should do them when it came to your life. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, even with my dissertation topic, it wasn't it, it wasn't any research he had done. He was just like is this like a thing that we should do? And I was like, yeah, it's a thing. And he was like, okay. And then, and Let's that, do it. There it was, yeah. And I, and I did my research on, this was two, I started in 2007 working on this on rural middle school bullying. Okay. And at the time there was not a ton of research on Like it was, a, it was a quote unquote emerging field mm -hmm. at the time. And I said, we, you know, we should look at this. And he was like, I don't, you know, I don't do this, right? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah. He was like, okay, well, well, tell me what you're doing. Sounds good. Let's do it. And, and that was it. Yeah. Um, but after I finished at Auburn, I actually took a job as a behavior coordinator for a school district. So I basically was back in the classroom with all of the students in a school district with challenging behaviors. Um, wow. which was, which was kind of what I liked doing anyway. Um, and in the meantime, so even before that though, while I was doing my PhD work, I was, um, I helped run a summer clinic for like four years that worked with kids with autism and, and behavior challenges. Okay. So I had like all of the experience of, of setting up an autism program, uh, and setting hmm. up a behavioral program and, you know, I, again, I missed kids and working with kids every day. And so I had a group of 10 boys in a school, one classroom together. And most of the time I was by myself, like I was supposed to have a teacher's yeah. aid, but we had problems trying to keep an aid. Sure. So most of the time I was by myself and like thinking back on it, luckily I was able to create like a, a relationship with those students that were yeah. pretty, pretty good. Cause like if those if those dudes ever decided to mutiny, they could have like 
tied me up back there and then like because <laughs> we were in a whole like we were in a whole separate building gotcha. like by our by ourselves yeah like they could have drove off in my car but nobody would have <laughs> known it all day. so but it, it was it was a it was a fantastic year it was a fantastic year mm-hmm. um a lot of times I find when you, you do get put into those tough situations, you know, as long as you, you can, you know, keep, keep your head and, and push through, there is a lot of reward on the back end of that. Yeah, it was a lot of pushing through. I mean, it was a, it was a tough group of kids. Uh, it was a tough situation. Um, it, it, was, it was tough in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but it, I didn't feel that at the time that it was going great. But <laughs> like looking back on it and kind of, Cause I'm still in contact with some of my students from then. Oh, and, we're awesome. talking, and and looking back on it, they didn't all turn out great, but they remember that, that year. And it was, I was only there a year. Um, Cause you know, I, I, I remember something that I had forgotten about classroom teaching. You got to be there like every day. And like, it's a <laughs> lot of, it's like a lot of paperwork, like IEPs. Or uh, like, and I yeah. remember I was doing them in the detention center, and I'm like, oh my god, IEP suck. But <laughs> I mean, they're great. They're great documents. They're much needed. Yeah. Like, to do they're a lot them, of work. Yeah. They're a lot of work. And I like, and I had, you know, a, more than these ten students on my caseload, and you know, it was. I think what made it diff- more difficult was when I didn't have a teacher's aide or an yeah, assistant. For sure because I'm trying to schedule these meetings. I can't leave my students by themselves and I don't really have anybody to help me with them. So it was like, yeah. it's just, it was just a lot going on. So I was like, yeah. Oh my God, this is, this is insane. So, <laughs> uh, how I ended up in Iowa was that, um, a friend of mine who also graduated from Auburn started working at the university of Iowa. And she told me that they have what they call a postdoctoral position. And the, and the idea of a postdoc is to really give people kind of extra experience with with research, research and opportunities to publish research and that kind of thing, yeah. and to be a part of a research project, which would make them more attractive when they want to try to get a job at a university. Gotcha. Yeah. Particularly at a, a heavy research university like Penn State. Uh, my two years in Iowa were fantastic. <laughs> they were magical. Despite were, all the cornfields? <laughs> despite all the cornfields. I learned a lot about corn, um, <laughs> which, which is just to say something. I learned what a walking taco was. I didn't know what that was until I moved there. That's the, you put all the taco into a Fritos bag, right? Yes. And, that, yeah. I, so I was, I, was, <laughs> I was at a high school football game with a, with a guy, a friend of mine named Jay, who I was working with. He was a student in special ed at Iowa. And he took me to this high school football game. He's like, we should get some food. I was like, all right, cool. He's like, what's I was like, what's a walking taco? And he explained it. And I said, that is the laziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like, is this a real thing? So I, I went and got one. And they was like, oh, you have your choice of bags. And I'm like, yeah. I'll tell you what, they're, they're great for camping. My wife and I, we use it for camping. It's it's easy no, cleanup. They were great for the football game. Like it, it makes true, sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. I, I had the cool ranch Dorito one, and there it was go. great. It was. I was <laughs> like, oh, this is lazy still, but I get it. Um, but I had a the the cool thing about being in Iowa was that it really set me set me up on my path of of trajectory of what I'm doing now. Um. Because I thought when I left Auburn and when I graduated from Auburn, I was like, oh, I felt like I knew some stuff. But I learned an exponential amount more doing my postdoc, which is, yeah. I guess, the point of a postdoc. Yeah. Um, it's just like your first year teaching, too. You know, oh, my you, God. You, you learned so much in college, but then that first year of teaching. <laughs> I, I would even give it the first three years. Like, the first yeah, three years yeah. is, is, like, the first year is just insanely tough. The, 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 yeah. my, I had a great principal my my first three years of teaching and uh or I, she was just actually my first year but her she told me she said your number one job this year is to come back next year ah that's real that's that's real it's, talk yeah and I would say this you talk about see and I tell my students now I tell them this all the time a administration matters right mm-hmm. and having a really good principal that supports you 
and that you feel supported by yeah. is so important. A good principal will convince you to stay at a bad school. A bad principal will get you to leave a good school. Wow, that's true. That's true. I, I've, I've been blessed. I'm I'm heading into what is this? Year year six. Heading into year six, and I've had great principals all the way throughout. So, Very and I'll blessed. stick. To, I'll I'll stick to that for forever and ever because I've seen it. I've seen yeah, it so many times. Absolutely. Um, but Iowa was great because it, it allowed me to learn a, a, lot, a number of skills, but it gave me a different trajectory that I never would have thought I would have been on. And meaning that the the position that I had, I was kind of um, working with a program that focused on science education. Okay. And I never really had any interest in that before yeah. <laughs> or, or, or experience because um, in it's, it's changing a bit now in the past, probably the last five years or so, but special ed programs hardly ever really focused on science education mm-hmm. or for kids with disabilities. We focused on math, reading, behavior, kind of social skills, that those kind of things. We didn't really have a focus on science and social studies. You know, we, it was just that those were extra things that, yeah. Gotcha. programs did not really prepare you for it's changing a bit now but it's still like i'm 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 currently doing a number of studies looking at um looking at both science education programs and how many special education courses those students take because mm. they go, those teachers go out there not ready to work with kids with disabilities and vice versa how many special ed programs have science or stem components science and the stem components cuz we don't Special yeah. educators are not, usually not prepared to go do that. Um, true. So, you know, so working in Iowa allowed me to kind of learn that field because it's very different. Science education is very different from special education. Very, sure. yeah. very different. And um, so I spent two years working uh, with some great guys there uh, who were who were there, uh, Bill Therian, who was now at the University of Virginia. Great, shout brilliant, out <laughs> shout out, brilliant dude and great guy. Um, and Brian Hand, who's still, who's still at Iowa and is from Australia and it's crazy, but I love him. He's super <laughs> crazy though. <laughs> Everybody he, needs that crazy friend. <laughs> he's, he's super crazy, but I, I love him because again, that experience taught me and put me on a different, different path than I really, expected to be on but it gave me a lot of um, clarity yeah. uh so after those two years in iowa which by side from doing the postdoc i couldn't stay away from teaching so i actually taught two courses there in iowa or a few courses in iowa sure. and the nature of the program i was working with allowed me to be in schools and work with kids like i worked with kids kind of a lot and did trainings with their teachers and all that kind of stuff so that was that was great and then uh, I ended up at Penn State, man, just by uh, luck and happenstance. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, when I when I got hired at Penn State, uh, I was asked about the position uh, from a guy he just retired, like literally just retired a few weeks ago, uh, Charlie Hughes, who's like a legendary figure in special ed. And he was just like, do you want to work at Penn State? And I was like, eh. I mean, it was it was a lot going on at the time. If you remember, it was a lot. Well, you were this. Oh, this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a lot going on. A lot of <laughs> lot of a lot of going on. Yeah, and he he was just like, "Would you want to work at Penn State?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> it's <was> like, <laughs> well, well, we have like a adjunct position, like a mm-hmm. kind of what they call fixed term. And I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm cool with that. Let's give it a go. At least you know, with the opportunity of possibly getting a regular faculty position." Or a tenure track faculty position, so I moved to Penn State, and, and the rest is history. The rest is history. Been here <laughs> there you eight, go. Eight, eight years, man. There you go. All right, so, um, yeah, I mean, I I love hearing backstories. I think uh, you know, getting getting full pictures like that really kind of lets you hear and and see and understand you know trajectories in people's lives and and why things happen and and where they end up. And I think it gives you a better insight into the work that you're currently doing. Um, so let's dive into that. Uh, I know that you, you kind of said that you've, you've regained focus a little bit on science education, but you still got components of special education in there. And it's kind of like that marriage of the two that you're working on now, right? 
Mostly, um, you know, as we talked about before, before we started recording, man, um, I am a, uh, I am a boxes bother me. So <laughs> I am a, if, if you're not going to let me out of the box, give me a bigger box. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, academia tries to, you know, it, for a good reason, I get it. It tries to put you in, in kind of a, a narrow focus, yeah. which I, specialization. Which I, yeah. Which I like yeah. to call a, a cell phone box. I, on the other hand, need a refrigerator box because <laughs> I need space to to, yeah. to to kind of do do my thing. Um, but no, I, I I have kind of um, since Iowa, uh, not all, but I would say probably at least half, most mostly half of my work has been really um, focused on science education for students with disabilities, or STEM education for students with disabilities, or or yeah. as we progress, STEAM. Which right. is adding the arts, uh, for which I appreciate as a music teacher. Hey man, for student, hey, I I appreciate the arts <laughs> uh, for students with disabilities. So, you know, at least half of my work is is kind of centered there yeah. and focused on that. With the other half being like a crazy quilt of whatever, <laughs> whatever whatever lands on your plate that seems interesting. Hey, yeah, which man, is that, a, I tell you what, that's that's kind of the dream though, isn't it? I. <laughs> Actually, for, to get to for, work on whatever you feel like working on that for <laughs> that me it semester is and, and year and decade well it's you know it's a it's a weird thing because sometimes like now that i have now that i'm a tenure professor mm-hmm. is is that kind of thing is more encouraged but prior to that right, yeah. it's not really encouraged that way it's, it's encouraged for you to kind of be specialized yeah. and focused on this thing and, and and i understand why because it gives you what what the line is they like to say a line of research that is clear and i'm like whatever whatever like (laughs) so it lets lets people understand what what you are and what you do without knowing you yeah well i i i tried to experiment with my own career the the one thing i can say about being a professor which i i enjoyed being it but it's not the end all be all of my character or my identity so you know if if for whatever reason i had to do something else i would be okay yeah. I think that's, I, I've heard that said that it's, it's somewhat unique to United States culture where, you know, the first thing that you ask somebody is, well, what do you do? Like our, our, identi- our, our identities are tied to our jobs. Work. Yeah. yeah. Are tied to our work. And that's not necessarily the case. A lot of, you know, other countries will say, Hey, who are you? You know, that's the question. That's the first question that people ask. And you, you start to tell, well, I'm, I, I'm, son of this person and, and yeah. I live over here and you know or where do you live you know that's another thing so anyway so i mean as as a uh as an ode to your interest in a bunch of different things um i kind of dug up uh you you had presented at a conference three different uh research we were talking about this before i hit record three different like topics that they're kind of interrelated, but not necessarily. <laughs> but one of yeah. them, uh, you know, as as for timing purposes, you know, we're we're on the brink here of trying to figure out what's going to happen in the fall with this uh, COVID nineteen oh. pandemic. So, um, one of uh, the things that you presented on that, if if you got a couple extra minutes to dive into this one, I'd, I'd sure. be curious about it. Was using virtual classrooms um, for pre service teacher training because I know uh, one of the things that is said in a in a bunch of different capacities is that first year teachers need so much help, which they do. Um, so this was kind of diving in a little bit to how do virtual classrooms kind of play a role in that, right? Yeah. So um, uh, me along with some uh, really great colleagues and a few students uh, at Penn State were able to procure some funds to kind of work in this virtual classroom um, kind of uh, tool, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's been in existence for a couple of years now. Um, I'll say probably about a decade, close to a decade or so. Right. What was the tool? Uh, uh, it's called Immersion, but okay. it's 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 a whole bunch of stuff wrapped up in that. Sure. Um, God, what was it? What was the original thing called? Uh, Teach Live. Uh, if there's if you can look up Teach Live, you probably see a thing called Immersion. M U R S I O N. They're very similar. Uh, I don't even know if they're the same company. They may be breakoffs of something. Sure. Uh, however, but they, they, yeah. But the idea is that you have this uh, virtual classroom, and, and it's not like virtual classrooms are really all that new. 
Um, the what makes this one different is most of the time virtual classrooms were set up with with virtual students, and those virtual students kind of had pre-programmed answers, okay. right? So you would you know interact with that virtual student, and the you know, and they would respond to you in a pre-programmed way. Which may teach live and version a bit different is that you have this virtual classroom and all of the interactions are spontaneous. And the reason that they're spontaneous is because there is an actual actor or actress <laughs> who is controlling those students. Now, each student has a separate personality and quirky behaviors, hmm. but the, the, because of the way technology is just like I'm looking at you via Zoom, they see you but you don't see them. What you see is students. Gotcha. And so this, this, was a, this, is a, this is a system that's uh, kind of really designed for uh, training teachers to be special education teachers, right? Uh, not necessarily special education no? okay. teachers. It's just te teachers. Um, so you, you can work on a bunch of different skills uh, just depending on, because they have a bunch of different kind of uh, scenarios built in or kind of situations. So for and what I and what I mean by that is you can have a situation where you have a group of students like five students and work on kind of some teaching skills or mm -hmm. some what we like to call surface management skills in, in special ed and, and when it comes to classroom management, which is, you know, eye contact using signals to indicate things and some some very what we call surface level sure. interventions and, and skills, um, along with using praise and behavior specific praise and you know just working on these very teacher s skills gotcha. when it comes to classroom management yeah. but it, it also includes um lessons on how to pace a lesson how to kind of work through your a lesson with a group of small group of students hmm. um you can work individually with one student and kind of work on these skills. They also have scenarios where you're working with parents uh, and there's a parent sitting there. And again, there's an actor or actress that's behind the scenes that you don't see. And so they're responding in real time to whatever you're communicating with them. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, it, say for instance, if we were doing this, you wouldn't see me per se, like you see me now, you would see a kid or a parent. And I would say, I like your striped shirt <laughs> and like they, it would be that level of, of kind of things. Yeah. Uh, huh. So you have to kind of do an icebreaker with the parent and the kids and go back and forth. So, you know, we, we use that tool yeah. with some of our pre-service teachers to see if they really uh, had learned some skills uh, kind of in the classrooms. So like I I teach the classroom management course for our undergraduates. And some of the things we talk about is, how to use behavior specific praise, how often you use it. Those surface management skills I was talking about, what are they, how do you do them? What are the different types? Um, so I, the, the cool thing about the virtual classroom is it allows those students to practice those skills with real time feedback yeah. and real time interaction before they go out into a classroom and have to do them with real children <laughs> yeah well that's interesting i mean i guess that's because you know that the uh, the the concept of a virtual classroom i think is so tied into what's going to be happening now probably in in the fall you know it's, it's and that's kind of what, what my understanding was but this is more of along the lines of this is a virtual practice classroom yes right for for uh, teacher candidates to actually sit and, and practice some of the skills that they have been taught in class, but sure. now can begin to apply in unique situations. But not just teacher candidates. I mean, teachers who are already in the field who need professional development in certain things. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of my colleagues, she's using it for, she teaches a uh, kind of like a uh, family uh, and course on basically understanding family dynamics and family things. So she uses it, uses the tool when she's trying to get students to kind of understand backgrounds of different types of families and diversity and equity and that kind yeah. of thing. So it's the tool itself is a, is a really useful one when it comes to training and teaching. Um, so what, you know, what we would like, at least that my colleagues um, in special ed at Penn State is, is if 
and, and mind you, we had gotten this special pot of money to try to do this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so it, it wasn't perpetual. So, you know, that particular program ended and, you know, I think we got some pretty good results um, and learned some, some things from it, but with everything going on currently, you yeah, know, with, sure. with uh, particularly when it comes for, for teachers and teacher training, some school districts um, are, you know, not letting outside people come in. So that means yeah. we have teachers who won't be able to be in school or pre-service teachers or future teachers who, who won't get a chance to practice or work on or learn skills in a classroom situation. Yeah, which that's uh, just, that's that makes it 10 times as difficult because I tell you what, my, uh, my first year of teaching, I used probably uh, half the stuff that I used was from my student teaching the, the semester prior. Sure. I mean, you, you gain so much value from that in-person experience and, and from the hands-on uh, application of everything that you learned for the last, you know, three and a half, four years. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah so yeah. if there's if there's any notion that you know a virtual practice classroom like this can can increase uh not just yeah. uh you know experience but just the comfort level and and the confidence That's level it. of teachers going into That's their it. first year yeah i would say this when i first tried it like i i got into it i got into simulation and because you know i don't want to I don't want to say, yeah, you should do this. And then that never did it. So I jumped into simulation a couple of times before we really got it. And just as a demonstration. And I remember the, the, not the first time, but the second time I did it, I remember the feeling of being in front of these virtual kids. <laughs> right. And I remember, I remember my heart rate increasing. I remember like I, it, the, the same feeling I got being a teacher, right. It, not to the same extreme, but th those physiological reactions were the same. You know, it was, it, it, they were so, you know, to me, there's a, I mean, that's just anecdotal information, but I mean, that's a utility that I think helps, particularly if, if it's set up correctly and the students have things to do in there. It's not like we just let them run amok. It's like, <laughs> you, it's like, hey, we want to see you demonstrate this skill. And because of the because of the way that the particular program was set up and, you know, we interact with the when the students are around us as facilitators, we interact with the actor. So we'll say, hey, we need you to pump up the behavior problems a little bit uh, just to give them more practice or we need you to turn them down a little bit um, because, you know, they have levels of kind of how challenging you want the behaviors to be. Yeah, sure. And like the extreme level will probably make you cry like that. Cause, cause there's a person in there like you was like, oh, oh, Dr. Taylor, you you look old fat. Like I'm like, what like it's a person talking junk yeah, to you. See, yeah, it's it's interesting. So, so is, this, uh, is this something that you know you can go check out right now, or is this something that you need a subscription or it needs to be paid for and you need the the like supervised training on? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, I think you do. You have, yeah. definitely have to pay for it because I mean, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot of setup. There's a, and, there's a lot, especially if you're if you're paying for actual actors to be behind the yeah the, the students. Then yeah. Uh, but you should be able to find videos of it probably on YouTube. If you look up Teach Live, which is you know Teach Live mm -hmm. all but as one word. Okay. Uh, you should be able to find some information on it. Um, yeah, it's really uh, fascinating. I had not uh, heard of just that that concept even being used yet um but it, it seems like well, it's, it's years past or it's it's a few years late <laughs> well it's, but it's, it's it's not everywhere um certain places are using it more than others mm -hmm. uh this was i think started at central florida university of central florida okay. or at least uh kind of uh really the ball was rolling there and again there have been virtual classrooms of different types and, and kind of these virtual things but usually uh, they involve these kind of canned pre-programmed responses right yeah. which which you know there's some utility in that too it's mm -hmm. just a little bit different yeah. um and anytime I think you, you can get practice i mean well practice and you can get practice with a person that's real time reacting to what you're saying and doing you know what i mean like yeah. that's a bit that's a bit uh extra yeah. kind of um extra level of realism that you don't get from the pre-programmed stuff uh what we're hoping if we can if we can make this work is 
particularly with what's going on now with COVID and all right. that kind of stuff, is is if we can uh, get access and funding to use this this program for this upcoming school year. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. That would be. I think it would. I think it would be helpful. I don't know if we'd be able to. Just funding is tight, and sure, you know. So I, I, I we are. We're asking, and that's a, at the very least. We, we'll see. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 great thing is, is I think there's. Um, I, th- I think one of the, especially at less so, just because we this is kind of what we do when it comes to classroom management is usually in our domain. Uh, I think there's some opportunities to practice those first year teaching skills when it comes to classroom mm-hmm. management for discipline based. Um, education major so social studies ed english ed science ed math ed because i don't know if they really get a chance to do to do specific classroom management practice um you know the the idea is that if you if you teach math well then kids will behave and that's that's usually not how it works (laughs) well (laughs) that's usually not how it works like if you just a really good teacher and engaging kids won't misbehave and that's uh, that's a bit uh, over it's an over exaggeration of 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 the level of I don't care how good a teacher you are you still have to kind of do some level of classroom management absolutely and it's very difficult for first second third year teachers yeah especially like you know like you said if if you've got a population of students who uh you know are are testing your skills more so than you might have gotten in another you know exactly yeah ed- educational position right so, so. I, I mean i think it's some utility there but that's yeah yeah that's um that's that was the virtual classroom thing yeah <laughs> that's really fast i'm 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 definitely curious about it i'm gonna stay up to date on it and just kind of see how it progresses and uh you know we'll have to follow up with you and, and yeah. figure out what, what's going we'll, on with it we'll see man. if if you're uh still still working on that in a, in a few years you know <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Prob- <laughs> probably some. I don't know, man. It, Somebody it, will. That's some. That is for sure. <laughs> that is a hundred percent certain. Somebody will. Uh, all right. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate the time you have given me. Uh, is there anything else uh, you wanted to touch on that you wanted to share with uh, my listeners um, before we uh, wrap up? Uh, I don't know, man. Just I, if you're a teacher or if you're. A, going to be a teacher or want to be a teacher, then I would say um, look towards the, always look towards the people who work teachers. Uh, And, you know, I'm always an advocate. I I wish, I, I would love it for teachers, classroom teachers to write more things. I know that's asking a lot just because being a classroom teacher is his own level of a lot of stuff (laughs) um but the reason why i feel that way is is as we were talking about before the research to practice gap right right um teachers are on the front lines right you you guys are on the front lines and if and if you're a pre-service teacher you will be on the front lines right and your insight is so valuable like uh innovation is important and because you're out there on the front lines you have the most opportunity to innovate yeah, uh, because you need to do it in real time. Right. Like so, but there, there, and there are avenues for teachers to kind of write things. But I don't think we do a good job in higher ed telling you what those things are, or at least introducing you to those things, and even helping you or encouraging you to do those things. Like yeah. it's, it's like, oh well, the professors are the ones who do the research. No, I don't. It should. It shouldn't be. You can also Facilitate. do research. Yeah, you should. Research is can be done by anybody. It's just we have to. We have to empower you all to to teachers and future teachers to do it. And yeah. especially in special ed, I I what I really want to do is make teachers better equipped to be advocates for students with disabilities. Yeah, like that's my that is my whole deal, man. Uh, yeah. So that that is it that is that it for your exit questions which right. i have which i have answers to uh, <laughs> uh no it's great no, insight it. and you know it's like i've, I've told it to a couple of people it's that's one of the reasons for this podcast is just trying to get 
you know, that, that gap to close a little bit and maybe that pipeline to have a little bit more water flowing through it to get yeah. information into the hands of teachers and, and back, you know, to the people who are doing the research. Um, yeah, just opening up that conversation. So, ah, oh, very cool. All right. Well, it is time then for our exit interview or exit, our, what do I call these things? Our exit ticket exit questions. questions. <laughs> exit tickets, yes. Uh, yes, these are the same four questions that I ask everyone who comes on a guest. And the first one is, do you have a book recommendation that teachers should read? Man, this is a tough one, dude. Like, this is a tough one. Because um, I, was, I was vacillating, because most of the books I read are not real books. I mean, well, let's take that. <laughs> they're, like, they're like textbooks, which aren't as fun. Uh, <laughs> Depends on who the reader is. No. <laughs> they're, they're I couldn't a, even sneak that one by you. Uh, uh, so I had I had three books in mind, but I, I think I narrowed it down to to one. Um, so well, you can share all three. That's fine. Okay. All right. Well, they're and they're very different, and again, just like me, they're very different in kind of what they do. Yeah. Um, but the most important one, the first one that I'm going to talk about is, or at least suggest, is called the prize. Um, as a matter of fact, it's the prize, and then the subtitle is uh, "Who's in Charge of America's Schools." It came out in like 2015. Okay. Uh, I can hold on. I think I can tell you who wrote it. Uh, it was written by Dale Russikoff. 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 Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we'll but, link it in the show notes. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, the reason why I suggest that book is because um, it is always not just baffled me, but troubles me when we talk about the. Um, the conversations about school reform and people kind of like, oh, school reform is charter schools and that's all it is. Is yeah. this and, and no, <laughs> I'm not against charter schools. I think we should have them, but not all of them are created equal. Yeah, some some of them are terrible. And or and the thing is, I think when we think about school reform, we should think about it as a spectrum uh, of kind of these different elements and different things and this book actually talks about um for lack of a better word the experiment that happened in newark new jersey uh some years ago um and what they were trying to do with quote-unquote school reform so like in in this this to me this is a non-partisan issue which is great because on both sides of the aisle people tend to think school reform is charter schools or Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. uh, this book talks about kind of what they tried to do uh, in Newark. It was um, Cory Booker was still there. He was the mayor at the time. Uh, what's his name? Facebook guy Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook. Z guy. Zuckerberg had given like all of this money to Newark schools in congrat in 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 conjunction with uh, Cory Booker and. Um, Chris Christie, who was the mayor of New Jersey right. at the time, to kind of reform Newark schools, and uh, and they it talk, the book talks about how that went, but it also gives kind of this parallel story of of how that went, plus you know the other types of school reforms that are possible in the public school when you have the right people doing the right things. Mm. Uh, it is just a really good book to talk about kind of the juxtaposition of those two things happening at the same time. Right. Does the and, change come within or the change come from outside? Well, that's the thing. It could, it could come from both, but you have to, you have to see it that way. If you only see school reform as being kind of charter schools and, and all this kind of stuff, then you're not going to help the change from within. Yeah. But if you're, if you're a person who is leery of kind of outside interference, you're not going to have the resources to make the changes from within because you need outside people. So yeah. it, it, it has to be kind of this partnership of both. Yeah. And you can still have charter schools, but you can also have really good public schools. Yeah. And, and it's, just, it's just really the people and the resources and how those people and resources are managed and used. Hmm. And it's a really good book to yeah. talk about that kind of thing. Um, so that, that's one. The, the other book, um, is is called towards inclusive science education okay um uh it's a book that's really focused on is is kind of this mix of textbook but not textbook um it's a really good book because it um 
if you're interested in science and STEM education for, for kids with disabilities, it talks about kind of some textbooks, textbooky things that you would get, but it also has really great stories from individuals with disabilities who either were or weren't participated in science. Gotcha. Uh, so it's a, it's a good book for, for that kind of thing. And the last one is, um, is from Chris Endom called uh, If for White Folks Who Teach in the Hood and, and the rest of y'all. Uh, it's just a really good book, particularly with everything that's going on now. Um, it, it helps with kind of understanding, um, you know, the ideas of equity and diversity and inclusive, inclusive teaching from a broader perspective and, and um, you know, how to, to teach in a much more kind of uh, critical way. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's an easy read, too. So. Okay. Uh, those those would be the books. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we'll link all of those up uh, in the show notes page. So, all right. All right. Question two: uh, Do you have another resource, uh, either online or hard copy, that you would suggest teachers go check out? Hmm, that's a hard one. Um, There's too many to choose from, <laughs> dude. Uh, so I, I was I would say this. Um, I think one of the questions later is how people can contact me. Uh, I, I do have some resources that I have put like. Um, curated in a Google Drive folder okay. that I will have no problem sharing a link with. It's, it's a whole bunch of random things in there. So, you know, but <laughs> 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 I'm sure there's something for you. Um, but I would say uh, for teachers, new teachers, be members of um, the organizations that are going to, to um, kind of cater to your interest or to your the student yeah. group, of, group of kiddos that you work with. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm a member of the National Science Teachers Association, uh, even though I'm not a science teacher, but I'm interested in science. I'm the president, I'm the president of, and, and go to their website, NSTA website has all kinds of wonderful free stuff. Okay. And if you're a member, you get more stuff. Uh, I'm the president of science education for students with disabilities, SESD, info.org we have a we have a don't go to the old website it's terrible the new website is the one <laughs> i just gave you um which is fantastical um and there's a bunch of free stuff there um if you're interested in special ed like i am the council for exceptional children's website has a bunch of free stuff there but if you're a member of course there's more stuff yeah. uh each one of those organizations and most of them have state level divisions so if you're in pennsylvania P-A-C-E-C, if you're in Minnesota, M-N-C-E-C, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever whatever state you're in is going to have a kind of a, a division that will be more localized and tailored to you. Uh, so use those things. Uh, and the reason why I advocate for those things, and, and again, there are a lot of digital kind of resources out there, and, and more so now just with remote teaching. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> because most of those organizations will ensure that you have the latest up-to-date information right and in school districts are really focusing in on what, what we like to call evidence-based practices mm-hmm. um that's and, and that's the and it goes back to the thing about teachers being on the front lines and doing research right you may work what, what you may do may work and you may share with other teachers but having evidence to support that it works and, and it doesn't have to be super right. complicated yeah like I, i'm not a i'm not a fan of, of making teachers read our boring, boring research. <laughs> but it's so boring. But but, but to I, have, you know, a couple a handful of actionable steps to take that are based on that research. Which is which is which helps with that research to practice gap. So right. if we're doing the research, we should publish it in um, practitioner journals that teachers have access to. <laughs> it's not rocket science, but we make it rocket science. Yeah, we make it rocket science. But but teachers can provide that same evidence, you know, maybe yeah. not as complicated or sophisticated but evidence is evidence all of these right. are data points mm-hmm. to su- suggest that these things work um but and there's a lot of kind of free open access journals out there um for different things and like i'm a part of the council for children with behavior disorders ccbd.net um we have a newsletter that's totally free that includes kind of some strategies in 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 there 
-hmm. if you become a member, we have two journals. One is a practitioner journal, one is a research journal. Mm -hmm. We have webinars for, um, for, our, for members. We, if you go to the website now, there's a teacher resource page. All of our free stuff is there, um, yeah. which, which is helpful. So, it, you know, it's, it's, there's stuff out there. So Absolutely. Um, and I think that's, that's part of the, it's, it's the blessing and the curse is that there's so much out there. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where to go. But yeah, those, any of those uh, organizations that you can become a part of, uh, if they've got a, a hub or a resource page, definitely dive into those. And then also, yeah. you know, I've personally said, you know, if you can attend a conference a year, uh, you get so much value from, it, from being yeah. around, around the, that. The wonderful thing about what's going on now is that most of the conferences are now remote yeah. conferences. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go and fly off to Minneapolis right. and, and risk your life. <laughs> you, can, you can do it from the comfort of your home. Uh, so for at least for another year or so, I know right. in the fall, most of these conferences are going to be virtual. So you, you know, it's still going to cost a couple of dollars to go, but it'll be totally worth it for some of the stuff yeah. that you can get out of it. Yeah. And I would say this, uh, and, and because I work for Penn State and I have to promote them because it's in my go. contract. <laughs> it's not in my contract. But <laughs> uh, but no, if you contact, I, I would be hard pressed to believe that if any teacher, whatever you teach, special ed, science, English, social ed, whatever, if you contacted, emailed any professor at, at, at the College of Ed in, in Penn State, that they would not help you or direct you or point you in the right direction or send you stuff. I would, I would be surprised and, and personally heartbroken by, by that. So I believe in, in my colleagues and in, in the faculty and the people that I work with, that they would do that. And I, and I mean that from the Dean down. There you go. Fantastic. All right. Ah, oh, yeah. So much to dive into on, on that. Thank you. Uh, what, what question are we up to? We're up to, I think, uh, what, yeah, what would you give as a piece of advice to, uh, teachers, maybe particularly those who are, uh, right in the beginning of their careers? Oh man. Everything I just said, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I guess so, right? <laughs> uh, just just nah. hit the, hit the back button and listen again. Yeah. No, nah, I would say this, the, the hard, like if, if you're out there and you're a first year teacher, you probably know your content, like because right. you mm -hmm. just you've been immersed in your content for however many years, two at least two, probably more up to more, depending on where you went. You know your content, whatever that is. the The hardest part is always the classroom management part, and if anything Agreed. that you can do that's going to teach you about classroom management, uh, I would say kind of lean into that. Um, True. You know, for I, I'm going to to throw this out there again. Um, special ed is usually the place where you learn classroom management, but I can say this: having examined this at, at various universities and other places, the content level teachers don't take the special ed classroom management class. They may take something, but it ain't the same. <laughs> and, and having examined those syllabi. It ain't the same. <laughs> I teach the classroom management course at Penn State. Uh, so does my colleague Tracy. She teaches the master's level. It ain't what we're teaching is not the same as what people <laughs> that are, that are not taking it from, say, a special ed. And, and most special ed people who, especially programs that have classroom management, is going to teach it similar to how we're doing it. Just because it's different in, in special ed, we look at it differently. Um, it, it, and so I would say if you can lean into learning about classroom management and because and the, the better you're prepared with that part and the more strategies and skills you have with that part, man, you, you'll be, you'll be on your way again. I uh, concur. <laughs> go to the, um, what's it called? The council for children with behavior disorders. I know it has behavior disorders in the name, but those are the experts in classroom management. There you go. Yeah. And right. I'm not saying that because I'm a member. <laughs> but you are and, saying it because you're a member, but you're not. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm on the board and I run their website. So, yeah, I'm saying it because of all those things. But I, I, do, I do mean it. I, yeah. I, it, yeah. It will, it, classroom management is usually the part that's the, the struggle. Yes, I 
Yes, as personal experience and from uh, conversations with colleagues, yes, I think that is the number one thing that, you know, everybody knows what you're teaching, you know, the knowledge that you're sharing. It's just yeah. the process to get that knowledge into the, the, the teaching students. part. It's the, yeah, teaching, it's the part. teaching part. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and look, I majored in special ed and I, when my first year was uh, horrific. It was awful. <laughs> like it was terrible. Even, even with all of those things in my favor, it was just because it was the classroom management part and, and having this rotating cast of students didn't help either. But the, the classroom management part was the hardest part, even for a person who majored in special ed, yeah. who does behavior stuff. <laughs> it was still a, it's still a learning process. Yes, it is. And it always will be for your entire career. <laughs> yes, it will be. Life, lifelong learners. Lifelong learners. Absolutely. You're, you're so good, John. You're good. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Jonte, JT Taylor, it's been fantastic having you on. So thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Last thing, question yeah. four. Yeah. Question uh, four. <laughs> all right. So if you want to contact me, um, just hit me up at uh, my email is jct215 at psu.edu. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, I guess. Uh, uh, at, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. At Doc, D-O-C, J-T, Taylor. T-A-Y-L-O-R. So E-O-C-J-T-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Right. There you go. And as always, everything that we've talked about today will be linked up in our show notes page. So as a listener, you don't have to remember anything. You just have to go to our show notes page. It'll all be there for you. There you go. Man. Efficient. <laughs> Efficient. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again so much. It's been a blast. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stay in touch and follow up and kind of see what you're doing in the next couple of years. Hey, let's do it, man. We are. Penn State. I love it. You already know. <laughs> However, I would be I would be remiss if I did not say War Eagle, because of Auburn. And if you have any listeners that, that went to Tuskegee, they know what to do when I say this. T U. There's a thing. They know what to do. I'll, I'll <laughs> let I'll let my listeners finish up on that one. There it oh, is. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Yeah, it's great, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more evidence-based strategies for improving your educational career, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can get the next episode as soon as it is released. If you think this information was beneficial and you think more teachers should hear it, the greatest compliment you can give us is to share this episode with a colleague, either through a text message, email, or social media. And last but not least, if you think more teachers need to hear more of what we are talking about, please go leave us a five-star rating and review on your platform of choice. And that will simply let the algorithm know that you are finding value in this content and it will help boost our show to the top of the list when people search for education shows. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I will see you on the next episode of the Jabadoo Education Podcast.